Hello, my name is Mark Gibson, and you're listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, a weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Good morning, and you're welcome to this morning's Signpost webinar. Uh, the Signpost webinars are brought to you in association with National Rural Network, Food Drink Ireland, Skillnet, and Dairy Sustainability Ireland. Uh, this morning, I'm joined by an old man who will, who will take the questions and by uh, David Meredith and, and Francis Bly uh, from, from Chagask. Uh, and it's uh, quite a serious topic, looking at uh, health and safety on, on, on Irish farms, looking at, at the research and some of the advice and statistics around uh, uh, health and safety. Francis, you're, you're very welcome. Hi, Pat. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning David. Uh, a, a serious and persistent topic where a lot of work has gone on over in the last number of years to try and uh, reduce the level of, of accidents and deaths on Irish farms with, with mixed levels of success, I suppose you could say. Yes, definitely mixed levels of, of success, but working hard in the right direction to, I suppose, to, to try and... Last year was one of our best years uh, in relation to reducing numbers, and it's something that we need to kind of, you know, continue to work on. We had 10 fatalities, 10, 10 families lost, lost a loved one. And obviously each one of those was one too many, but it's, it's, um, it's a lower number than previous years, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it was 20 the year, year previous to that. So definitely we're making progress and we need to make sure that, you know, that progress is maintained and, and, and improved on in the future. And in, in doing that, it's, it's really important that we understand, I suppose, the, the causes and begin to learn the, the, factors that are going to have an impact in, in reducing that. And I think that, David, that's where research in this area is so important. I mean, that's it, that uh, for a long time, people were kind of pointing and saying, oh, the, the problem is, and they focus on one particular issue. Uh, and what we'll see today is that, you know, it's the, the wider context is really important in terms of understanding uh, what what are the pressures that are shaping the way farmers approach their work uh, and how they do their work? And there's a whole social and cultural background to that as well that we need to understand uh, if we're going to be effective in terms of designing practical initiatives that farmers can can adopt themselves and adapt to their, their particular farm or their particular situation. Okay, well, we're delighted to have the two of you, uh, two presentations coming up. So without further ado, I'll, I'll uh, ask David to share his screen and begin his presentation, if that's okay. Okay, thanks for that, Pat. Okay, so uh, thank you very much, everyone. Uh, I'm really delighted to join you today. Um, and I'm going to provide a, a, a brief overview uh, of the... the uh, the issue of uh, social sustainability of farmers, but particularly focusing on health, safety, and well-being. And in terms of you know understanding Chagas role in this space, for those of you who who uh, wouldn't be familiar with the Chagas Together strategy, uh, within that um, there is a, a a real focus on uh, farm farm safety. Uh, and improving the well-being of farmers as a means of delivering on our commitment to improving the social sustainability of farming in Ireland. And that's reflected in uh, Strategic Goal 1. Uh, it has a number of sub-goals, one of which is securing farmer health, uh, safety and well-being. And this is actually a departure on where we've come from in the past, where for a long time people talked about sustainability of farming. And uh, that generally got translated into concerns around the environment, water quality, uh, gases emissions, and so on. Um, and, and biodiversity and other, other issues coming in there from an environmental sustainability point of view. And then there is that uh, overarching concern with the economic viability uh, of farming. So really the sustainability of food production. And when uh, sustainability of farms was talked about, it was very much in the context of generation renewal. It was the idea that we have uh, an older um, cohort of people uh, and the need to bring in a new generation of farmers. In, 
in this iteration of the Chagas strategy, we've shifted uh, away from that and begun to focus on the sustainability of the farmer, not just the farm. And this is a really important departure uh, because it brings the, the issue of the challenges around health and safety and well-being to the fore in terms of how do we make farming an occupation that is attractive, that uh, people will want to come into and that uh, is not detrimental to their health or their safety or their well-being into the future. So Chagas works in partnership with uh, a range of people on this uh, in this area and um, our approach is to uh, and this is what you're seeing here today our approach is to combine research uh, with advisory uh, in terms of working together to develop um, practical initiatives that farmers can adopt. But before we get into that, it's worth looking at what are the key challenges um, in relation to this issue of health, safety and well-being. And there are many. And the graphic that you're seeing here is some work that I did um, late last year and, and, and this year where I was talking to farmers about um, th this really broad area. Uh, and saying, well, you know, what, what are the issues? And when I began to kind of assess um, what they were saying is that farmers spoke about what they hear from other people, what they, they hear other people want from them. They then talked about how they feel about that. Uh, and we brought the conversation around to what farmers think about safety and then what they want. And in all of this, it, it kind of pulled together that farmers are, you know, they're hearing lots of things from lots of different groups, whether it's consumers, policymakers or society, uh, and that's placing significant demands on them. But that's translated into uh, feelings uh, that are very personal to them. So some of them are worried about the future. Some of them uh, are reflecting uh, a perspective that everyone wants so much from them. And, and that type of comment comes from a background of people talking about in the past, people wanted food. Um, that, that's what policymakers wanted. That's what society wanted. And now it's people want sustainable food. Uh, policymakers want uh, high levels of animal welfare. So there's a lot more demands coming in on farmers in relation to how they go about their business. Uh, when we got into farm safety, we saw uh, a lot of kind of uh, shrugging the shoulders and going, well, it sure isn't farming dangerous. Uh, so that acceptance of the way things are. But when we got into what farmers wanted, it came down to practical solutions. It came down to the idea of people working in partnership together to develop those solutions. And that includes the regulators uh, and policymakers. Uh, so there's, there's a lot in there. And that reflects the fact that the high level of injury and death on farms uh, is a result of the combination of uh, very hazardous working and labor conditions in some instances. So things like working alone for long periods of time uh, with large machinery or uh, livestock or working in uh, difficult uh, environments of so bad weather and so on. There's also a poor understanding of safety cultural determinants amongst um, key people. And, the, and here I'm talking to uh, policymakers and regulators. Uh, and there's an absence of well-informed actions. So these are, these are actions that farmers can adopt, okay? So we need to be co-designing with advisors and farmers uh, measures to improve um, health, safety, and risk management. But the health and safety on challenge on farms is compounded by, you know, the physically and mentally demanding nature of everyday tasks. And it's also the fact that they are everyday tasks, that everyday farmers are engaging with the task, whether it's coupling a, a, a trailer onto a tractor, it becomes routine and frequently the risk, you know, becomes invisible. It's just something that you do every day. And sure, nothing happened yesterday and nothing's going to happen today until one day it does happen. Um, 
there's that interaction with uncertain working environments and conditions that I talked about. Um, and overlaying these structural aspects are challenges associated with the culture of risk taking on farms. And we have to view it as that, that there is a culture of risk taking on farms. So conventional approaches to occupational health and safety that have been applied in other industries, and these mainly focus on education and awareness raising or regulation and enforcement, are fairly limited in scope as most farmers are self-employed. Um, so in a European context, um, that means that a lot of legislation around workplaces doesn't apply to them. And Francis will talk a little bit later about what legislation applies in Ireland. But even when this legislation does apply or when there are measures that do apply, the number and the distribution of farms and farmers across a wide geographic area limits the effectiveness of these approaches. In other words, regulators can't be everywhere at the same time. So research evaluating these types of approaches has come under scrutiny internationally, and it's concluded that sustained improvements in safety cannot be achieved through training, engineering, or enforcement alone, as risk-taking is fundamentally conditioned by a set of factors, including behaviors and practices of the individual, which are in turn influenced by how they are inducted into work. And that induction process starts probably at the age of five in the case of farming. And this brings me to the point with regard to culture. And work by Sally Shortall and others uh, has argued that understanding farm accidents requires analysis of how families are socialized to interact with the farming space. And in particular, to understand that within farm families, there is a socialization and normalization of danger. And that means that for many, accidents are to be expected, that they happen. And it highlights the need not to consider just the source of dangers or risks. So the idea that, you know, a PTO shaft might be dangerous or a recently calved cow might be dangerous, um, but to think broader than that. Um, so in order to improve um, health, safety and well-being and overall quality of life of farmers, the importance of this context has to be reflected in the design of interventions. And that's what we've been doing um, in Chagask for some time now. Uh, and the approach taken is uh, at the center of all of this is the concept of One Health. And it's the idea um, that the total health of the individual is important to how they can go about their daily job. And the healthier somebody is overall, the safer they will be as well. Um, so it's a very holistic approach to thinking about health and safety. So we're, we're not focused just on machinery or animals, we're also focused on the overall health of the farmer. And the approach that we've taken here is to involve end users. And end users for us uh, generally mean advisory uh, colleagues uh, and farmers as well. Uh, and the importance of the advisory side is, is very obvious in terms of they are uh, the key intermediary uh, with farmers who, who can talk about some of these issues around health and safety. And then, of course, we're working in collaboration with uh, policy stakeholders as well. And this is my final slide, and, and this presents a very brief overview of uh, the research program that we've got in place at this point in time. So we have at the very top there, Chagas's strategic goal, which is about securing farmer health and safety and well-being. And then that's broken down into those three component parts of safety, health and well-being in the thematic areas. And then the, the bottom line there with the, the variety of boxes, um, that points to the, uh, the individual projects that we have and the the safe dairy one has recently completed and all the others are ongoing at this time. And the first thing to say about this is that obviously it's fairly comprehensive. There's a lot going on here. Uh, the other thing to do is to put this in context. Um, what we're doing in Ireland is uh, exemplary, exemplary by international standards. Um, when you go to the States, when you go to Australia, New Zealand and other places, Yes, there is research going on. Yes, there are practical initiatives being designed uh, and implemented with farmers. 
but very few places have the comprehensive program um, of research and advisory support around uh, health, safety and well-being. And relatively few have the partnerships that we have working with policymakers and regulators as well. So we're kind of we are at the forefront um, of of work in this area. And as a, as you can see here, much of this work is ongoing. Um, really, the, this whole program uh, for a long time was being um, really led by John McNamara, who can't be with us today. Uh, and then I became involved about 10 years ago and we began ramping up um, the amount of work that we were doing across a whole range of areas. And we've been successful in getting funding from a variety of um, agencies, including the Department of Agriculture to support this. Uh, but primarily a lot of this is supported through the Ch Chagas Walsh Scholarship Programme. So we're very fortunate in that sense. In terms then of key outcomes, and I'm going to focus on um, a couple that are at a, a much more advanced stage. So that Safe Dairy project uh, was all around co-designing and piloting and evaluating an occupational health and safety initiative with advisors to be delivered to uh, uh, through dairy discussion groups. And it, it took a, an approach of trying to assess what was the best way of delivering health and safety messages um, and how to engage farmers and what we found is that the little and often approach uh, so it isn't a case that we say right the whole discussion group is sitting down for two hours now and all we're going to talk about is health and safety that approach is is good at raising awareness and getting people to intend to do something but we find that they don't actually do it um, the little and often approach is where it's broken down into, you know, five minute uh, slots or 10 minute slots. And that encourages farmers to actually adopt changes. And it has been successful in doing so. Um, the Farmers Have Hearts Cardiovascular Health Program uh, worked with trying to identify ways of helping farmers to adopt healthier lifestyles. And this is really important because 74% of farmers in Ireland have four or more risk factors for cardiovascular disease. And that places them at very high risk of uh, having an adverse outcome. In other words, heart attack or stroke. Um, so that, that work is about to be published um, next week. It'll be launched by a number of ministers uh, and it's proven to be very successful. So you'll hear more about that next week. And then finally, um, I was doing some work with colleagues um, in UCC and the Chagas National Farm Survey. And we were looking at the development of social sustainability indicators that could be incorporated into, into the National Farm Survey. And that work found that as farmers get older, they're more likely to experience stress, but at a declining rate. Um, so the, the experience of stress is much more acute but the number of farmers experiencing it declines. So that's that, that particular finding. And, and it highlights the, the challenge that we face in terms of dealing uh, with this issue around well-being. that you know, the same set of stress, stressors can result in very different outcomes for individuals. Uh, and that's where the on-farm ground um, training program for advisors comes in, in terms of trying to provide uh, some basic knowledge um, so that advisors, if they do think that a, a client um, might be experiencing particular issues or if a client says something, that at the very least, uh, the advisor is in a position to respond and signpost that individual to the services that they might need. So that gives a, a very broad overview of what we're doing. Uh, and I'm going to hand over to Francis now, and he can take it from there in terms of uh, talking about some of the, the direct initiatives that uh, uh, are being implemented with farmers and through advisory, uh, the advisory service. Okay, Th thank you, David. Very insightful. Uh, a lot of work going on behind the scenes in, in, I suppose, trying to better our understanding and better our approaches to, to health and safety. I just remind you that the question, if you have questions uh, for David or, or Francis, if you could put them into the Q&A. Thanks. 
Francis, if you want to take away the screen there. Okay, thanks, Pat. Okay, can you okay, see that, Pat? That's brilliant. Um, hello, everybody, again. Um, my name is Francis Bly, and I work in the health and safety section of, of Chagask, um, supporting the work of, of, of David and, and um, my manager, John McNamara, who can't be, can't be here today. So as David said, a very large amount of research, very large amount of work being done, trying to kind of drill down into um, what will work to try and make farms safer and help farmers become safer and help farming, I suppose, you know, be sustainable into the future from the farmer's perspective. Um, which is what David, you know, mentioned a, a large amount of times in relation to, we look a lot, a lot about, I suppose, the environment and the sustainability of the environment. But, but from the farmer's perspective, you know, need, there needs to be a focus there on, on him or her in how they farm and that they can farm sustainably, you know, enter into, I suppose, hopefully into, into older age, but, you know, that they can retire um, in good health and in good mental state that they can enjoy themselves and pass on the farm to the next next generation. For some farmers, you know, you know, I suppose health and safety has a big impact for them. And we look sometimes at the consequences of injury and, and in health and in health ill health. And one of the big, I suppose, issues is the fatality rates. You know, the tragedy of a farm accident or injury that happens, the fatality that happens on the farm and, and the consequences it has for, for the farmer. Uh, and for the farm family and the wider community. You know, the pain and suffering that that farmer can um, experience um, if they're lucky enough to survive the accident um, can be, you know, severe and, and long lasting um, and have, you know, a large amount of effect on them as a person. Um, and all the supports around them then from the family that they have to provide um, for, for that farmer. And managing a farm after a farm accident can be very difficult. And, and, you know, takes a lot of effort from the farm family and Embrace Farm is a voluntary organization that provides supports to farmers that have farm accidents, um, which is very much needed. Um, you know, the loss of independence, sometimes farmers can't do what they were able to do before and need to get a lot of support, you know, on the farm to maintain it. And sometimes the farm has to change. The farming system has to change to allow that farm to continue in a different way with the farmer you know, importing in, in, in whatever way that they can. So consequences from a farm injury uh, can, can, be, can be devastating. Where are farm accidents happening? Like the, st the statistics from the Health and Safety Authority um, will show that, you know, they're, they're widespread across the country, uh, but largely focused in, in areas where, you know, stocking rates are, are higher, our activities are, are more intensive. So you can see on this particular slide here, um, the Cavan area is, is I suppose, you know, one of the higher rates there per 100,000 um, members of, of farm house, households. Trends in farm, farm debts, again, just I suppose it's, it's very, you know, it's a difficult topic to discuss, but it's important for people to have the information. And if you have the information, you'll know who is at risk, why they're at risk, and that, you know, there are people out there that have lost family members. So we can see from this particular slide here, that you know, the 19 to 64 age group are hearing the message. You can see the the slide, the the trend there is to, is is reducing, not reducing enough, but is reducing. So we are getting through to those those people. The children um, fluctuates between maybe one and three per year, and and you know we need to kind of get that down to zero and keep it at zero, and we need to make sure that you know we do everything in our in our power to to keep that number down. Um, the over 65 age group is, is where there's a, an increasing problem for, uh, for us in relation to getting that message um, into the minds of those farmers and the wider community that they're at high risk and they are losing their, their lives in increasing numbers on, on farms. So they are showing up more in the statistics as being the high risk category that over 65. So that, that slide will show that. You know, you can see the trends there between the, the various types and age groups that over 65 age profile, you know, is increasingly high. And we have obviously the, the, the age profile of farmers, especially maybe in the dry stock and, and, and sheep sectors, um, you know, is increasing over time. And that is a, a problem that we'll say from a policy perspective, we need to kind of keep a focus on. Um, but those farmers, you know, are at high risk and we need to be, we need to acknowledge that. And we need to try and make, make people aware that it's important to try and 
keep keep safe on the farm. Again, the over, I suppose the trends over three years is shown it even in this particular slide shows it in more impact. You can see that maybe I'm able to kind of do um, the pointer. There's a pointer, just this this section here, you can see it, it's increasing over time. No, you know, stats over time can change the an opposite direction as well. But that particular slide shows that those over 70s are increasing as well. So, you know, that's just a message that we need to get out amongst our farming community that in, in that age profile, you are at high risk. What's causing the deaths? I suppose, you know, the, the 10 year trends there from the Health and Safety Authority to collect all this data. You can see the tractors and farm vehicles um, are accounting for, you know, 43% of the overall fatalities on farms. And when you add in the machinery at 10%, so tractors and farm vehicles plus the machinery that they're carrying, you're over 50% of, of the overall accidents with livestock then at 19%. And when you look at those individually, like what's causing the accidents, um, it's a wide range, overturning tractors, being crushed by the tractor, struck by a part of it, you know, impacts, pierced. Um, there's a very large number of different ways that you can, you can, I suppose, be exposed to danger and risk. And as, as David said, it's, it's inherently dangerous. So you need to be very careful and conscious and aware when you're managing your tractor and farm vehicle on the farm. When we look at, you know, deaths due to machinery, you know, it's the same types, you know, entanglement there on a PTO shaft or a part of the machine um, being impacted by a part of it. The crush injuries are one of the main areas where we have, you know, increasing numbers of crush injuries. People maybe, you know, the, the, the handbrake on the tractor isn't just maintained to the level that it should be, are not applied when, 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 when farmers leave their tractors. And, you know, the tractor or vehicle rolls and the farmer isn't aware of it rolling um, and, and is crushed by it. Or it might be just that the, tra the, the tractor is rolling as the, as the farmer is trying to attach an implement on the back and a small little bit of movement can cause a crush injury and that farmer may not be able to get it away, may not be able to call for help or the crush injuries are so severe that you know, over time it, it causes a fatality. Deaths due to livestock. So I suppose a lot of people will think about the bull as being the most dangerous um, animal on the farm, which, which they are very dangerous at 18%. Um, the cows and calves you know, ha are having a big impact as well. So those cows that are maybe recently calved or are about to calf um, or are spooked. Sometimes cows and calves that are spooked by something like a dog or sometimes even a cat or some loud noise and they, they, you know, they, they move in directions that you, you don't anticipate can be very dangerous and have fatalities have, have taken place. Cattle also maybe, you know, putting them in for different types of activities um, like maybe dosing or injecting or sick animals or whatever needs to be done. Um, those animals, when they're you know in facilities that maybe aren't up to scratch and gates collapse, crushes collapse, um, or, or maybe there's too many animals in a pen and they charge when they're trying to be um, moved. And, you know, so if you have a lot of animals moving in a certain direction, there'll be a lot of pressure on whatever facilities you have in place for them. So facilities need to be up to scratch for the number of animals that you're trying to, to work with. Um, as David said, the National Farm Survey do a lot of work in collecting information on farm accidents, um, and they show that you know the dairy industry there is you know highly represented in the in the in the accident rates. So eighteen percent, you know, they're talk, they, they show that about two and a half thousand accidents happen per year, and eighteen percent of them then are in the dairy area. So you know every every industry or every system has been represented. But the dairy area is, is, is one that's overrepresented in the, in the number of accidents that are happening. Now, these aren't fatalities. These are accidents that are self-reported by, by farmers in, uh, as part of the National Farm Survey. Irish agriculture, we have, as we know, 140,000 farms. They're predominantly self-employed. So unlike other maybe countries, 92% of our farmers in Ireland are you know, sole operators or they're self-employed in their own farm. So... And then when you add in the families that are attached to those farms, there's 400,000 persons at risk on, on, in agriculture in Ireland. The average age of the farmers is about 58. And what I suppose John McNamara, um, if he was given this presentation, he would talk about the psychologically unbounded. 
So farmers being un psychologically unbounded means that they're totally, I suppose, masters of their own, uh, what they do each day on the farm. So they don't have to kind of follow the rules that would apply maybe if they're working on a construction site. They're mainly under their, their self-control. They decide every day what they do and how they do it. So, it, you know, to get into their minds when they're doing each task, to have safety there in their, in their, in their minds when they're, having, when they're doing each task is, 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 is the, I suppose, the focus and what we need to try and achieve. You know, when we look at standards across other countries, and, and, and David does a lot of this type of work, you know, we're the best within, uh, within the best 25% in, in the EU. Um, when we compare ourselves with other sectors, though, there is, there is a bigger problem. And the HSA data show that nationally all workers, um, there's 1.5 deaths for every 100,000. In construction, it's six deaths for every 100,000. In agriculture, it's 18 deaths. So from, from an agriculture perspective, 18 deaths for every 100,000 persons is, 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 is way out of sync with other, um, other industries. So agriculture has the highest rate of fatal injury for any major economic sector and seven times more likely to be killed at work environment. So like if you take nothing away from today other than this particular, um, I suppose, statistic, it, it, it means that you know, and you obviously already know that agriculture is very dangerous, um, but seven times more likely to be killed at work and farming um, is, you know, is, is, is a very high number and it's something we need to work on. As David mentioned, the legislation that applies, the safety, health and welfare at work legislation 2005 is, is, is what we kind of work towards and, and under, which encompasses everybody at work in, in Ireland. So not just farmers, everybody at work falls under this legislation. What does that mean for, for agriculture? From an employer's perspective, so as we said, 92% of farmers are their, own, are their own employer. So even though they're their own employer, they still fit under the legislation and they have a duty to, 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 to manage the farm in a safe way, to manage their own safety and manage the farm in a safe way. If they have employees or people coming in doing work, they must comply and cooperate with the employer. So the employer must have good standards of, of safety on the farm and procedures, and employee must comply and cooperate with those. When contractors are used, they must also cooperate with the farmer. The farmer is the overall manager of the farm, so contractors must um, carry out the work in a safe way, and if farmers, uh, by, uh, I suppose, direction of the farmers, and if farmers see things that aren't, aren't safe, they should call them out and ask contractors to, to, to do it in a safe way or to slow down or whatever the issue is, the farmer is responsible for making sure contractors are safe on their farms. Designers, manufacturers, and suppliers of materials all fit under this legislation. So when machines or different facilities are being designed, manufactured, and supplied, they need to be supplied um, in a safe manner and that they're safe to use. There's a requirement on farmers to prepare a risk assessment. So that means all the risks and hazards on the farm are identified and controls are put in place. The Health and Safety Authority have regulations and code of practice and guidance and support documents available to help farmers to comply with this legislation. And Chagas and, and private consultants provide half-day safety courses for farmers to, I suppose, build this into practical messages and how this can be done practically on the farm. So there's a legal requirement under the, under the Act to do everything so far as is reasonably practicable. That means to do everything that you can do to, that's practicable to, be, to make the farm safe. It requires a risk assessment for three or less employees, or if there's more than three employees on the farm, then a safety statement is required. Employer has a primary duty to provide a safe place and system of work. So, so that's, that's in the legislation and farmers are duty bound to do that. What David mentioned earlier and give a long list of, I suppose, the challenges that farmers face. And this is a picture that a lot of advisors would kind of use to have conversations with farmers about the issues that are on the farm. And you could sit down uh, with a group of farmers and you could spend a half a day just going through each of those different sections. It look, might look childish really to look at it, but it does have a lot of the issues that we face in farming. And it does allow us those conversations to happen about certain things that are dangerous on, on farms. What action is needed? So what we try to do is to have conversations with farmers and through advisors uh, on the ground and through messages and through, um, I suppose, social media posts and videos. We try to get action on the ground. What can be done practically? 
So, you know, children, you know, in this particular situation, what needs to be done? That particular child isn't, been, isn't in a safe location. That child should not be, uh, you know, standing there. The child should be um, safe in a safe area, safe play area. And if they're over seven, they can be in the tractor and in the tractor cab as long as there's a, there's a seat in, in place for them. So, you know, there's, there's kind of ways in, of, of looking at farms. And if, it's, if, if the farm isn't being managed safely, then accidents will occur. It's only a matter of time. As I said, the risk assessment documents as a guide uh, for the various standards that are in place. So the HSA or the Health and Safety Authority pr produced this document. It has a large number of different sections and information for farmers to help them identify the risks and identify ways of, of, make, of making their, their farm safer and of doing tasks in a safe way. As I said, we, we have um, courses um, available for farmers that can, you know, uh, can participate in them to help them fill that document. We try to build, I suppose, a, a team approach, you know, encourage farmers to think about safety and health during every task. So, you know, when we're talking about, you know, the sustainability of, you know, getting slurry out at the right times of the year, we also talk about how that slurry is going to be applied, the machinery that's going to be used to apply it, you know, uh, making sure that at this particular time, you know, when, when you go in to agitate your slurry, that you take out all the animals, that the doors are open, that it's done on a windy day, that you don't go into the shed for the first 40 minutes or, 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 or more in the case of larger, larger, uh, larger tanks, that there's a safe procedure there in place. And that when that, the, that machinery has been used, that it's well maintained, and it's been you been worked by or operated by um, competent competent operators. So there's a sustainability message built in from a health and safety perspective, as well as an environment perspective. You know, vehicle knockdowns and faulty procedures. Um, you know, tra tractors are becoming larger. The visibility is 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 maybe not as good as it used to be on the smaller machines. They're traveling faster. They're carrying more weight. So vehicle knockdowns are, are becoming an increasing problem on, on farms. Cow attacks are becoming an increasing problem on farms as well as breeding, um, uh, I suppose, policies. We need to kind of work towards uh, breeding more docility into our, into our herds. So that's a management decision over time to try not to keep those animals that are, that are visibly not, are visibly and, and, you know, in practice not, easy to control on the farm to make sure that they're moving out of the farm and that the ones that are being bred are, are ones that are easily easier to manage. Um, calving facilities that, you know, when there is money available, and I know with, I suppose, current situations, the price of steel is increasing dramatically um, and quickly. It's hard to fund these type of, 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 of this type of equipment, but there should be money put aside every year to try and uh, improve facilities on the farm and try to do small things that can make a difference each year. Um, as, 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 as David said, you know, you know, the small little bits that you can do regularly are, are, will all add together to be a big change over time. You know, stylish pit size over the next few weeks, you know, we'll have, hopefully when the grass starts to grow, it hasn't been grown much so far, but, you know, when silage starts to be brought in, silage pit sizes, contractors having to go higher um, with silage pits, you know, trying to put facilities in place that make the farm as safe as, as, as it can be. Machinery, um, it's not just PTO shafts. And when you think about, you know, machinery, not just the PTO shaft getting entangled on it. Obviously, you need to have a good cover, chains in place, uh, the U-guard in place, the O-guard in place on the machine to, be, to make sure that there's no place where you can get uh, entangled on the, PT, on the rotating PTO shaft. Um, but there's other areas that, that you will get, you know, crushed um, um, or, or other injuries associated with these machines. So not just thinking that when you have the PTO shaft cover on that everything is safe. My, um, driving this machine, operating this machine, you're carrying weight, you're carrying um, a lot of content. You may have different types of equipment on the back of these tractors. It all takes a competent operator that's uh, aware of what they're doing and conscious of what they're doing and conscious of safety during every job that they're doing. Um, what could happen next, as I said, a number of, of, of fatalities have happened where the handbrake hasn't been applied correctly or isn't working correctly. And tractors have moved small distances and, and farmers have become pinned and crush injuries have occurred. Fragile roofs, um, maintenance of fragile roofs, making sure that you have, you're competent to do the work 
first of all, you need to make that decision or if you're employing people to do it, that they're competent and that they use the right equipment. So what is right equipment? It depends on the job that needs to be done. Uh, and it can, it can scale from very small equipment right up to large equipment, depending on the, on the work that needs to be done. Um, but not to do work uh, with equipment that isn't appropriate for the task or that you don't have competence to do. As David mentioned, large numbers of different research projects in place to come up with messages that we can use that will help farmers think about their own safety and their own health. So circulatory disease, the standard mortality rate that Dr. Breda Smith et al found was a circulatory disease. Farmers are five times higher likelihood uh, of having an issue. Cancer three times higher, injuries seven times higher than, than white collar workers. So that's another message to kind of have in the, you know, in, in the back of your minds uh, if, when you're farming or when you're talking to farmers. Stress at the moment is a big issue, um, obviously with increasing input prices um, and um, the issues with trying to source different types of inputs. It can be a challenging time and it's important to talk. You know, we, it's a very good lifestyle to have. But, you know, this, the, the research has found that rural dwellers have twice the stress as urban dwellers. You know, it can arise for a lot of different reasons. And it's important to kind of take action when you do feel that you are under, 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 under stress or pressure. So talking to your ag, ag advisor and your consultant about farming problems, or if you have any kind of, you know, if you do feel under pressure, talk to them and, and they may be able to help you identify things that you can do to manage the problem. And they may be able to signpost you towards other services that are able to help you. As, as, as um, David said earlier, the, the, uh, the on-farm ground program um, was, is a training course for, for advisors to help them with this type of process to, I suppose, engage with farmers, to listen, to kind of help them identify where they're at and then to signpost them to, 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 to support services if, if required. And obviously the GP is the first port of call where there's, there's an issue that's you know, acute and, 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 and needs to be dealt with really, really quickly. So, so to keep that in, in the back of your mind. Again, we're lucky enough to get, be getting a lot of sun at the moment. So if, you know, being sun smart is important to slap on the clothing, cover the skin, put on your sunscreen, put on a hat, seek shade and, and put on your sunglasses. So that's the, the sun smart message. And it's important to think about it, you know, when you're going out on a, on, a, on, a, on a wet morning, you're thinking about putting on your hat and your jacket. When you're going out on a sunny morning, you need to be thinking about covering your skin and putting on your sunscreen and covering, having your, your eye protection. Um, you know, because over time, you know, we, we have issues with, with cancers as, as Dr. Breda Smith has found. And we need to kind of do things that we can practically do to, to manage the, those, those issues. Schemes that the Department of, of, of Agriculture, Food and, and Marine have in place to help farmers fund equipment um, from a safety perspective are under the TAM scheme and under the accelerated capital allowances for farm safety equipment. So what I'd say is I'd encourage you to talk to your advisor or your consultant about, you know, different types of jobs that you'd like to do and to see if there's any grant aid or funding available to help, um, uh, you know, meets some of the costs associated with that, that type of work. So how do you plan to manage health and safety? So it's taking ongoing practical action is, is the main message that we'd like to get across today. So, you know, ongoing practical action, each task has been done, are you doing it safely? So that's the end of, 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 of my presentation, Pat. I'll just stop sharing here. Thanks very much. Very, very, very comprehensive. And uh, just to remind people, the the if you have questions and answers for either of the two lads, if you if you put them into the uh, Q and A section, uh, I suppose I, 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 a few things. As, um, you mentioned there towards the end of your presentation, some initiatives that are there uh, from the Department of Agriculture, and and uh, I suppose particularly in the last few years, I think the uh, department have been trying to. Uh, deal with health and safety across a lot of different initiatives. Are they, are, is there enough being done and, and are there other areas or other initiatives that we should be looking at uh, from a policy perspective? Um, well, well, I think there's definitely, a, if there's, that's, uh, I suppose, directed uh, from myself, Pat, um, I might answer it first and David might, might follow on from that. Uh, fr from my perspective, I, I do feel that the Department of Agriculture are 
are focusing um, more and more on kind of building it into the various different schemes that are that are there or are coming out in the future. Uh, it is part of, you know, the TAMS. There's an increasing number of, of, of pieces of equipment there that are being funded to try and, I suppose, you know, so that we can see more of them on farms, that farmers are more, in, I suppose, eager to put them in place and are encouraged to put them in place. And also various schemes that are that are being brought out. Um, I know in, in, the, in the, the, I suppose, the next version of the beef data genomics scheme, there is going to be a training course there on, on safety for farmers um, uh, with livestock. So that's a, a new development and it's something that is very much welcome and um, is, is, you know, it, it'll kind of bring that message in and make it practical, make it kind of, you know, when you are working with livestock, when you are outweighing your animals, what is the best and recommended practice to do that? So it's to build it into, as, as David said earlier, the small messages to build it in over, over a large number of different schemes is, is, is very practical and, and, and definitely impactful. Um, and the, the capital investment for farm safety um, equipment is a new scheme that came out um, the year before last. And it's really kind of, I suppose, moving forward this year in relation to farmers kind of thinking about up, uh, uptake of it. Um, and that means that you can write off certain equipment over a two-year period uh, from your, your, your you know, capital um, allowances. So, you know, things like big bag lifters for, for the for, for fertilizer, um, you know, quick attach mechanisms for putting on machines, they're all part of that particular scheme. And I would encourage anyone that's interested to talk to their, their advisors to go through those schemes to see is there any funding available to help them, um, I suppose, you know, get some of that equipment out on farms and make their farms a little bit safer. Okay, and as, I suppose a, a very high proportion of our farms are now part-time farms where they're probably time poor and trying to raise true jobs. Is that a, a significant factor? And, and are, I suppose, are we able to get to part-time farmers with these messages as well as we get to full-time farmers? Well, by, by definition, the, the part-time farmer is, I suppose, time poor. So they are sometimes more likely to put the, that equipment in place. Okay. Um, so that means that they, they know that they have to do a lot of work at weekends or they know they have to do a lot of work in the mornings or in the evenings. They have the off-farm work. Sometimes some of that money is, 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 is channeled in to help them manage their farm and manage the, how they manage their farm. So facilities like, you know, better sheds, better penning, um, cattle handling facilities, maybe better equipment in relation to, you know, larger tractors, larger plows, larger machines, if they're, if they're working in a tillage area. It depends on the system and it depends on what they're doing on their farms. But, you know, there isn't anything to say that the part-time farmer is less or more um, that, 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 that I'm aware of. It depends on various years and various statistics. But there is evidence that the part-time farmer will spend more money on trying to make their farm more efficient um, uh, so that they can manage it in a way that, that means that they're, there's been less time there. I'll just follow up on that one. Um, so uh, Francis is right around, you know, the part-time farmer uh, can be better set up, uh, better facilities and so on. Uh, we did notice a number of years ago in the, the fatality data that we were seeing a trend of um, fatalities uh, involving livestock incidents uh, outside working hours and that would include late in the evening and at weekends um so conventional working hours not necessarily normal working hours for anyone from a farm background um and the what we saw there was uh there, there was that trend towards out of working hours fatalities uh, and it was particularly prevalent in uh the bmw region where there would be a lot of all farm work uh, and part-time farming um, and it was particularly prevalent during uh, the winter period. So it was that issue of working indoors, uh, you know, feeding animals or caring for animals during that period. So that, that trend has abated a little bit, uh, which is positive. Uh, and Francis alluded to that a little bit earlier on. But Pat, going back to your original question around policy and what can be done there, and Francis outlined a lot of what the department uh, is doing at the moment. 
Uh, one of the one of the things that um, a number of us have discussed, and I'd certainly like to see, is effectively a top up payment for uh, strategic planning of the future development of the farmyard. So farmyards, you know, they evolve over time, um, and very few of us are starting from a greenfield site. So there's that need to think about: okay, how do we make uh, farmyards safer into the future? particularly in the context of, you know, machinery is getting larger or the scale of the farm is getting larger. Something is changing around it. And this is where I think working with uh, farmyard building contractors, uh, farmyard designers uh, and policymakers to come together to say, right, OK, if you put in place a five, six year plan around or a 10 year plan around, you know, the, the future development of your farmyard, you know, we can you know, either cover the cost of that or provide top-up payments as you begin uh, putting in place new infrastructure and integrated within that are for, you know, safety measures. So better handling facilities, um, better, you know, separation of people and machinery and so on. Um, so it's just, it, you know, we're doing a lot, but I think there's kind of strategic elements that we can bring into this uh, that will help uh, in the long term. Okay, and when we talk uh, about we talk about health and safety, and I, I think there's a, a couple of questions in there alluding to the starkness of the health statistics that you have uh, uh, you, you have presented there, uh, and to some it's it's counterintuitive because the impression might be there that an outdoor life, an active life, would should be a, a healthy life. What are the key factors behind? the reasoning behind why those, those health outcomes for, for, for farmers are, are so uh, far out of line with, with other workers. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it is very stark and it really goes against a lot of what we would naturally think. Uh, and uh, I suppose in a lot of respects, um, machinery is taking a lot of the strain these days. So you find that the, 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 the physical nature of the job is a lot of pulling and dragging, which is placing a lot of strain on the individual. Um, there's also that aspect of, you know, the activity is not very intense. So there's less of a cardio benefit arising from it. Um, so there, there's the, those aspects around the activity of farming. Uh, the other aspect then is, you know, the working alone for long periods of time, um, I don't know about anyone else, but I know when I'm kind of hard at it, I'm not really eating well. You know, it's whatever's to hand. So it's snacking, it's it's that sort of thing. So the, the healthy eating side of it um, is difficult to maintain. Uh, so there's a variety of factors that come together that make, you know, uh, farmers more susceptible uh, to having a poor lifestyle. But the, the positive around, the positive message that we can take from the work that we've done on the Farmers of Hearts Cardiovascular Health Program is that with really a little bit of help, it's not a huge intervention by any means, but with a little bit of help, um, farmers do improve their lives, their lifestyle and they do improve their health. And we know this because the way we designed that particular piece of research, farmers went in at the very beginning, they had a health check. And then uh, at the end, after a year, when they, they had adopted or they opted to um, try a, a number of different lifestyle behavior change uh, initiatives, we found that most of them stuck with it. Most of them made big changes that were beneficial to them. And even where the benefits were really marginal for themselves, they felt better. So there's a real positive around that. And I know there was a question, and I'll be very quick on this. I know there was a question around, you know, should health checks be mandatory? And it, that's a really interesting question. What I would say is that, you know, the Irish Heart, well, the health service executive through the Irish Heart Foundation provides health checks for free to farmers at farmers' marks every year. Now, there's only about a thousand of them. They have to choose which marks they go to and so on. But we know that every year, four or five farmers are alive because they go and they do a health check. Uh, and, you know, if you're a farmer or if, you know, you know a farmer, you know, encourage them to go and get a health check um, because it can make all the difference. Uh, and, you know, those people were literally dispatched from the health check until go to hospital right now. Uh, 
Okay. Um, and that was the serious nature of it for them. No, a good few questions coming in. Apologies, I was hogging the, the, the question. Oh, you're, you're grand. And, and I, uh, uh, David there, uh, he, that was a very good question that you're, you, you, you answered as, as you answered it there. But there's another one in which kind of ties in as well from another uh, listener um, around the quality of life index. So that kind of ties into what you're, you're talking about there, David, as well. Um, so look at just, um, let me see. Uh, there was a question here around um, the lower death rate last year and uh, inquiring as if it, uh, if it was maybe uh, tied into having uh, the lockdown and, and more help around farms and maybe less pressure, less stress on, on, on individual farmers, if you want to maybe make a comment on that. So, the, I mean, it is a, it's a really positive trend um, and we've been going that direction for a few years now. So I think it's not just because of the extra help around farms, but um, that's certainly part of it. So where we saw a big uptick in the number of accidents and fatalities uh, was really around dairy expansion. Uh, so we had that huge increase in the dairy herd and, you know, that, that generally happened on existing dairy farms. So you had much greater intensity of work. And somebody, somebody mentioned around the quality of life there, you know, thinking about working hours and the time off. And, you know, that is a really important element of, you know, farmers being able to sustain uh, the work that they do, uh, just being able to take a break sometimes. So part of what we're seeing in terms of the trend, I think is related to the fact that that expansion has taken place and the systems are now in place and people are, you know, they're working at that higher level now, but they've learned how to do that and they're organized around it. The other aspect then, and I'm picking up on work that Marion Breacher from Moorpark um, has uh, been on, undertaken, is, is looking specifically at that work organization pre-pandemic and during the pandemic. And definitely there's more family labor. Um, but the other interesting thing that comes out of this, and I know John McNamara has spoken about it as well, there was less engagement in other farming activities. And, and what I mean here is like going to meetings. So there is more time uh, and less pressure overall. And, and that seems to have fed in uh, to, to improving overall well-being and also safety. Um, just one very quick one, because we're nearly up against time, but um, just from a, a listener that, that uh, was at a recent health and safety course and felt that, you know, there was uh, maybe um, could be, uh, modernize it maybe more or, or is there any is there any plans to maybe revisit the course and see can we add in a little more on mental health and nutrition and, and, and the kind of things that you're talking about here today yeah i might take that david um well the the engage program is a department of agriculture funded and the hse funded initiative and it's a training course for advisors in this particular area you know to really provide um, advisors and consultants with knowledge and um, an ability, I suppose, to have conversations around stress and, and, and mental health and physical health on, on, with farmers. And that will help them then have better conversations during training courses for farmers. So when they're doing their half-day safety course and delivering it, they can have more engaging conversations with farmers on, on this particular topic. Um, so that training course is, uh, the Engage program is ongoing at, the, ongoing at the moment. So hopefully over time that will have an impact. Okay, Pat, maybe I'll give back okay, to you there. Yeah, and, and, and thanks very much. And, and I suppose the figures we, we, we quote, uh, you, you, you talk about, I suppose, 20 to 30, maybe, and, and sometimes a little bit higher deaths each year. But, but those numbers build up o over a time. And, and, and on a personal basis, I have six friends who have lost a parent in a, a farm accident. And sometimes when I'm, I'm thinking about that, that topic, it strikes me that those numbers really do build up over a, over a period and there's a lot of families out there uh, where there have been tragedies and some of which, if they were avoidable, would, it, it would be a huge service to everybody if we, if we could manage to, to avoid those. So listen, thank you very much for your contributions, both Francis and, and David. Keep up the, 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 the really good and the really important work. I think we have a long way to go and, and I suppose particularly the extension into the uh, health and, and mental health areas of our farms. We have a, a lot of work to do in, in, in those areas, a lot of work for every advisor and everybody involved in farms.
to, to try and, and move towards better outcomes in those areas. So, so thank you very much for your, your presentations. They're much appreciated and I think appreciated by our audience. Next week, uh, we're joined by uh, Dr. Stephen Nolan and uh, Sean Connolly looking at uh, reducing the carbon footprint of, of cattle and, and pig slurry. It's a, a very big part of, of the uh, emissions that that come from Irish agriculture, and we're looking at uh, they'll be looking at ways of, of of reducing that. So until next week, stay safe and have a nice weekend, and we'll see you again next next Friday morning. Thank you. You've been listening to the podcast version of the Chagisk Signpost series, the weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Don't forget to join us live every Friday morning for our latest webinar. For more, visit chagisk.ie. And you can also rate, review and subscribe to the Signpost series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Mark Gibson and thanks for listening.